Hey everyone and welcome to the Year Ones, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I am your host, Michael Montalvo, and for the next few minutes, we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes today truly unique. On this episode, we examine the events that occurred September 30th. Well, the time has finally come for us to talk about James Dean. Jimmy Dean is an American country singer and actor who started the company Jimmy Dean Foods with his brother in the late 1960s. Dean had started a hog butchering business as he was a heavy critic of his singing and wanted to pursue other interests, and while that is a fascinating story all on its own, today we are talking about none other than actor James Dean. James Brian Dean was born February 8, 1931, in Marion, Indiana. His father, Winton, was a farmer but left the industry to become a dentist and moved the family from their home in Indiana to the quiet little town of Santa Monica, California. And there they all lived until his mother, Mildred, died of cancer. It was then that Dean was sent back to the family home to live with his aunt and uncle, and there's a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air joke in there, And here it is. In Northwest Indiana, born and raised on the farmyard is where he spent most of his days doing some farm work, probably milking a cow, then left for California. He was strutting around. Then his mother got sick and eventually died, leaving James Dean just to sit and cry. It was one family death and his pa got scared, said you're moving with your auntie and uncle over there. Apologies to Will Smith. So now back in Indiana... Dean went and sought out the counsel of a pastor, the Reverend James DeWeird, which I am probably mispronouncing. The pastor would influence Dean's later love of car racing and theater. Apparently, he took Dean to the Indy 500 as a graduation gift. It should also be noted that they formed what is rumored to have been an intimate sexual relationship. In a New York Post article from 2011, G.N. McIntosh writes about how Elizabeth Taylor knew of Dean's secret. And in an interview with Kevin Sessoms in 1997, Taylor said, I'm going to tell you something, but it's off the record until I die, okay? When Jimmy was 11, he began to be molested by his minister. I think that haunted him for the rest of his life. In fact, I know it did. In 1949, Dean had graduated high school and moved back to Santa Monica to attend college before transferring to the University of California, Los Angeles. So, what did he do at UCLA? He majored in theater, performed in Macbeth, and he dropped out. He went on to star in a Pepsi commercial and had a string of uncredited roles in a couple of films. In 1951, he moved to New York City and was admitted to the actor studio where he studied under Lee Strasberg. And that's where his career really took off as a series of TV appearances helped him gain the exposure he would need to book films while also acquiring the reputation of being unstructured. He first went to Broadway and then he finally made it to Hollywood. 1955 was a busy year for James Dean. He had a starring role in three films, first with East of Eden, which would eventually earn him an Oscar nomination. Next, he was seen in Rebel Without a Cause, a role that has defined his image in pop culture. And finally, 
He took on a role in Giant, which again saw him with an Oscar nomination, but was also struck with tragedy mid-production. The year was 1955, and on this day, September 30th, James Dean crashed his Porsche and died in Shalom, California, at the age of 24. James Dean died during the production of Giant, the two Oscar nominations he received posthumously, and have made him so far the only actor in history to receive two nominations after his death. Before we get to the crash, though, let's talk about his racing. As we know, James Dean came to racing by way of his former pastor, as well as his uncle, Marcus Winslow. But what I found interesting was that he was, or rather was becoming, a professional race car driver. In fact, in 1955, Dean said, Racing is the only time I feel whole. Despite this, the other drivers were not fond of him, seeing him instead as the typical cool guy from Hollywood. However, Dean historian Dorothy Schultz says, Racing. That was really his primary focus towards the end of his life. Not really acting, like most people thought. Racing was his passion. Dean would race a Porsche Speedster, and after a few races... Palm Springs, Bakersfield, and Santa Barbara showed the veteran drivers that he was more than just a Hollywood star. He was a good race car driver, and he did all of this with the hopes that it would lead up to a spot to race in the Indy 500. I have a friend, Kyle, that lives in Bakersfield, so I texted him for a quote, and this is what he sent back to me. I'm sorry, I don't have a good quote for you. So James Dean wanted to be a racer. The only problem was that he was also an actor, and racing can be dangerous. As an actor, he was in the middle of production on the film Giant, as previously noted. The studio had it written into his contract that there would be no racing during the filming, so when his acting was done, Dean went to the doctor for a physical and was cleared to race. James Dean and his mechanic, Rolf Wuthridge, then set out in his Porsche 550 Spider. They were on their way to a race, and in order to give Dean the opportunity to get some time behind the wheel, they opted to drive the car instead of haul it on a trailer. Two hours before his death, they were stopped by Officer Audie Hunter for speeding and was given a speeding ticket, warning Dean to slow down. He and his crew continued on their way down Route 466, and as they were coming up onto an intersection, Donald Turnipspeed, who was driving a Ford Tudor, made a sudden turn on Route 41, and the two cars hit. The impact sent the Ford 40 feet down the road, leaving Turnipseed dazed and confused, and ejecting Wuthridge from Dean's Porsche. Amazingly, although seriously injured, he actually survived. James Dean was not so lucky. The two cars had almost hit head-on, and that most likely killed him almost instantly. James Dean was declared dead on arrival at Paso Robles War Memorial Hospital at 6.20 p.m. Two weeks before the crash, Dean was seen in a PSA telling drivers to Take it easy driving. Uh, life, you might say, might be mine. When looking at the area and some of the pictures, I feel I was led to believe Dean died on some winding road in the mountains, but that just wasn't the case. The site of the crash is now a makeshift memorial where people continue to make pilgrimages to this day. 
And really, this is where the episode should end. But it doesn't. Not yet. Because I know you're wondering about the car. James Dean's Porsche 550 Spider has something of a reputation for being cursed. It has been nicknamed the Little Bastard and was designed and sought after for racing. Of the five that were initially sent to the U.S., Dean got the last one. A week before the crash, James Dean met Alec Guinness in L.A. Guinness would later write, The sports car looked sinister to me, exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness. I heard myself saying in a voice I could hardly recognize as my own, Please, never get in it. If you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. Dean laughed it off. Despite being declared a total loss by the insurance company, the car body, or what remained of it, was sold off and would eventually go on display. Dr. William Estrich bought the car from a salvage yard and installed the engine into his Lotus 9 race car and loaned the suspension and transaxle parts to another doctor, Troy McHenry. Both would later suffer car crashes. Estrich would survive the 1956 Pomona sports car races, but McHenry would not be so lucky, crashing into a tree. It was shortly after the crash that George Barris bought the Spider with a promise to rebuild, but finding this task impossible, he instead chose to capitalize on its macabre notoriety and loaned it to the National Safety Council, where it went on tour. The car is said to have fallen off its display in Sacramento, breaking the hip or legs of a bystander, depending on where you get your information from. Barris also made some extra cash by selling a pair of tires from the car, which reportedly blew at the same time, causing the new owner to veer off the road. Adding another to its death toll, it is said to have fallen on and killed George Barkas, the man who transported the wreck to the road safety expo. Perhaps the most mysterious thing about the curse of the little bastard is the fact that we don't know where it is right now. While being transferred from Miami to Los Angeles in 1960, the car allegedly vanished from a sealed boxcar, leaving only the pink slip behind. Although some believe this to be a story made up by Barris to keep the mystique of the car alive. Hey, here's a bit of depressing news. James Dean is apparently being digitally recreated to have a starring role in a new film set to be released in the future. I don't know when because of all of this pandemic stuff. The film will be set during the Vietnam War and has Dean's family's blessing who see it as the opportunity for the fourth film he never got to make. Dean's face will be digitally recreated and pasted onto a body double who will also act as the voice double. Unsurprisingly, people have taken issue to this. Zelda Williams, the daughter of the late Robin Williams, said, This is puppeteering the dead for their clout. We should let the great performers of the past rest. They took their bows themselves. While it's true similar technology has been used to resurrect Peter Cushing in Rogue One or Carrie Fisher in Rogue One or Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker or Oliver Reed in Gladiator or Paul Walker in Fury 7 or even Audrey Hepburn in that one chocolate commercial. However, the extent of these recreations were used in a very minimal way, what could essentially be called a cameo. The most notable exception to this is Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker, however, 
Unused footage from The Force Awakens was used for the majority of her performance in that film. Dean's role has been labeled as the secondary lead, and as such, would be a prominent character in a quote-unquote major film. We all want to see more work from our favorite stars, but it becomes a question of how much of the actor is actually there. With the complete recreation of an actor for a role, things get confusing. Chris Evans said, This is awful. Maybe we can get a computer to paint us a new Picasso, or write a couple new John Lennon tunes. The complete lack of understanding here is shameful. And actress Julie Ann Emery wrote, Yeah, that's not James Dean. It's his face on a motion capture performance and an anonymous actor providing voice pattern and choices. I'd like to know how it will be credited, how the real actors will be paid, and how little this team understands the acting craft. And I get that. With the recent death of Chadwick Boseman, can you imagine Marvel doing the same thing and completely recreating Boseman for a new Black Panther film? So how is this any different than projecting a hologram of Tupac or Michael Jackson? Those largely rely on existing performances, inflection, timing, and vocal work all done by the original artist. That's not the case here. And so for me, it really comes down to one thing that the co-director said. We searched high and low for the perfect character to portray the role of Rogan, which has some extreme complex character arcs, and after months of research, we decided on James Dean. They don't want an actor. They want the character of James Dean. They want the idea of James Dean, someone that they can completely manipulate, and what better way to manipulate a performance than by creating your idea of an actor using someone who has only been seen in our memories and whose every minute movement you can literally control. But I guess ultimately, that's for Dean's family to decide. And that's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all if you're watching this on youtube you can find the year was audio version on your podcast app of choice you can find me on social media and at youtube at the apple cider club and as always i want to thank the tim kreitz band for our musical theme and thank you for listening we'll see you next time